All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to High Desert Word Center. How is everybody on this beautiful fall time morning? Praise the Lord. What a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Looks like we got a pretty fall house today, so go ahead and make your way to your seats if you can. And uh, we want to make sure everybody gets a good seat here. But it's awesome, awesome, awesome to see everybody this morning. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and open up just like we always do by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America, because we are going to keep decreeing that America is coming to Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's stand up together today and we are going to do this. Praise the Lord. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Yeah. All right. Did everybody get an extra hour of sleep last night? Come on. Yeah, wasn't that great? It's like one of the best days the entire year. Now, I know some people, they're like, oh, we get an extra hour, so they stay up an extra two hours. It doesn't work that way. Don't do that. Praise God. You made it this morning. We're going to have a good time. Let's take a few minutes here to go around and shake some hands, give some hugs, some fist bumps, whatever it takes. Just make sure everybody gets a little love this morning. Amen. Let's go. But the blood of Jesus What can make me whole again Nothing but the blood of Jesus Oh, precious is that flow That makes me white as snow No fountain, no Nothing but the blood of Jesus
Jesus, who's glad to be in church today, man? Yeah. What an awesome, awesome day. We're so excited. You know, we got uh, Thanksgiving and everything coming up in a few weeks. Then, of course, we've got the most wonderful time of the year fastly approaching. Who knows what that is? Christmas. I'm throwing stuff around. All right. So. Anyway, praise the Lord, Christmas is coming up, and uh, it's going to be awesome. We've got big plans this year. Pastor Katie's going to announce some of that. But anyway, she's got a really cool announcement for our church family that she's going to share right now. Uh, congratulations is due. Woohoo! Well, um, if I could have Miss Barstow come join me. about this girl and thank you you're standing not just for her and because she's pretty but because what the lord has in her is amazing right just really really amazing and so for her platform um she chose verses out of timothy and stood for the lord and told people that the only way that you have self-worth is because of god so we get to take joy in praying for her as she goes out to do all kinds of things this year for our city and to represent our city in the name of Jesus. So that Barstow Faith Confession, woohoo! Okay, so since you shared it during the pageant, you might as well share about our church now. So this is interview time, okay? So you all are to answer. She's questioning you. Hi, guys. <laughs> so our first question is, how do we? What are we? Oh, where are you? What are we? You tell me here. here. Oh, sorry. What are we? What are we doing? You all are doing very bad. We're starting <laughs> over. We're starting over. This is pitiful. Okay. We're going to do it again. Ready? What are we? 
are we doing? How do we do that? Look at you. Desiree wins. She wins. Okay, so here's the deal. If you haven't been to servant leadership, you need to get there, okay? It's the third Thursday of every month at 6.30 in Victory Hall, and I'm sure Jocelyn will be there. Go, sis. All right. (laughs) It just gives me such great joy. Miss Barstow 2022. (laughs) So fun. It gives us such great joy to know that we're a spiritual distribution center and what we pour into people goes out into our community and does something. So in the same vein of that, there's lots of opportunities to serve coming up. So the three ways that we change lives and, you know, we're equipping people is we get them saved, we disciple them, and we serve. So if you've checked off the first two boxes, like you're saved and you're a disciple of Jesus, not meaning that you just love Jesus, but that you actually follow him and obey his commands to love God, love others, then you need to check off serving, right? And I love that you serve in children's church, but we need to serve in our community because we're saying this Barso faith confession, but y'all need to put your hands to it, right? We've got to do something. So the Samaritan's Purse boxes, uh, the Christmas Operation Christmas Child boxes are back here, and we'll talk about that in a second. So that's one way that we've been serving. But we also have some other opportunities to serve. So I need to meet any of you who are interested in changing our city And now that's like a broad statement as a peacemaker, meaning that I don't need you to go out and like have a megaphone on the corner. If God calls you to do that, do that. But I'm doing something tomorrow evening that's going to be the ministry of presence. We're we're going to city council in silence and we're going to pray over our city and we're going to pray over the meeting and we're just going to be there out of being there. So if you would like to be a part of that and you can pray in the spirit, meet me in the coffee bar after service. Yeah? Yeah, praise the Lord. Um, Operation Christmas Child, woohoo, thank you for bringing all those boxes. If you forgot your box, Wednesday is it. They're gone on Thursday. So bring them in tonight and Wednesday. There were a couple questions um, about the funds to go with it. It doesn't cost you anything to give the box, right, to fill it and bring it. But the $10 that was discussed or in there is simply for you to track the box so you know where it goes, which is really fun if you have kids because then they know who it's going to. They can do the pen pal thing. Really cool to be able to do that. But it doesn't cost you to donate it. But that $10 is given electronically through a QR code. So there is some information on the table where you can scan that QR code and give that way. But our church is not writing any checks or taking cash or all that. So if you're interested in giving to Samaritan's Purse or you want to track your box, QR code on the back table. Okay? Um, Women's meeting is coming this Friday. Yes. Okay, so we're doing comfort food. It's at 6.30 Friday. We're doing comfort food. And there was a general discussion of whether or not we should wear comfy clothes. So raise your hand if you're interested in wearing your PJs. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, there's five of you. Listen, I'm coming in, you know, like appropriate PJs. I'll be there in PJs in my comfy clothes with a sermon about the comforter and we'll eat comfy food. Okay, so Friday at 6.30, and it's all about comfort in Jesus. 
Okay? Sound good. Church Thanksgiving dinner is coming. That is a big deal. Woohoo. Let me tell you what is happening with all of that while you sign what you're bringing to Thanksgiving dinner. Okay? So, yes, we are a family. And in case you haven't enjoyed Thanksgiving with us before, just like all families, you bring something to share and we all eat it. Okay? So we'll bring something to share. You bring something to share. And the sign-up will be around. If you don't get it before the end of service, then stop by the info booth and sign up. Um, Thanksgiving is going to be, in Jesus' name, bigger than this current depth of this room. (laughs) So the platform should be completely finished. We've renovated the platform. Thank you, Michael Cabrera and Jesus and Dylan. Yes, that's a big, big deal. Um, All of our commercial plumbing is in, and you may not be excited about that, but I am so excited about that. It's a big deal. Anyway, so our toilets are here. The faucets are in. Thank you for praying. Um, And the bathrooms are going to be awesome. So we're almost, almost done. We're almost done. So be praying with us that that gets done quickly and before Thanksgiving. And then we'll have a huge Thanksgiving in here. You can bring your family and your friends. Just bring lots of food. Okay? Uh, Christmas came early is the Sunday after Thanksgiving, not Sunday night. Okay, Christmas came early is a big family fun fest after our family Thanksgiving. So we bring cookies and we get together and we just have a grand old time and play games and act completely crazy. So it's really a lot of fun. And if you haven't been there before, you need to be there. Christmas came early is November 27th at six o'clock in here. You bring a dozen cookies We provide the milk and the coffee, okay? And we are doing a gift exchange. It needs to be funny and fun or, like, useful. Yeah. And um, it is 15 and up brings a gift wrap worth no more than five, and children bring a $1 gift. $1 gift and then over 15, $5. And... Leah does let people steal things in the sanctuary. So I'm just letting you know, after Christmas came early, (laughs) after Christmas came early, there is some repentance that goes on after the gift exchange. Um, One more Christmas thing that's going on that's super, super cool. Uh, Raise your hand if you remember Reverend Tony Cook, who comes to talk to us sometimes. Okay, so he has kids, you know. And he has a daughter named Laura Cook who did this amazing thing where she took the gospel and she put it into seven songs and she takes it and translates it around the world. But she has an amazing voice and just she's funny and awesome and she's kind of the opposite of Tony Cook. So Reverend Tony is like a milkshake. He's just smooth. And Laura Cook is kind of like me. Like a little crazy. So she is going to do a Christmas concert for us. We're hoping that she'll be able to do young adults for us. Um, that Thursday, we're going to do like a funny, crazy one. But her Christmas concerts are very, very nice, very classy, very fun. So if you would like to bring your family and bring your friends, bring your coworkers, and on December 16th, we'll do a nice, classy Christmas concert to celebrate together as a family. Okay, if you are with us for the first time, or the first time in a long time, wave at me. First time, first time in a long time. Hi, friends. Hi, we're so glad to have you with us today. Miss Heather here, 
And her nice fall sweater is going to serve you some information about our church. And afterward, if you'd fill out the card in there, we would like to give you a gift. So if you'll meet us at the info booth after service, we would like to meet you. And the rest of us, if you don't know their names, find them after service. Praise the Lord. All right. Um, Mrs. Pastor is going to say something, and then we will have our happy time for offering. Amen. Okay. Wow. What is November 8th? Voting day. How about calling it victory day? Hey, I tell you what, vote, vote, vote on November 8th. If you haven't voted already, vote on November 8th. I just want to draw your attention again to Prop 1. Vote no. That's the abortion thing. Okay, so the, you know, you've got all, you've, you've got your, uh, voter guide things out and, uh, John's gonna pass out some voter guide things afterwards from the Patriots group. And also, if you look at iVoterGuide on your computer, we all jive. It's the same stuff. We are, we're all on the same page. So just make sure that you vote. It's extremely important in this election. The life of the unborn is once again on the line, and we do not want California being for abortion. We do not want California being one of these. This is one of the bills that they put through there about California being a state where people who come from states where they don't abort babies, that the California voters, the California taxpayers, will pay for these people in other states with our tax money to come and have abortions in California. We just say no to all that junk. So make sure that you vote. Amen. Important. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. What kind of a church are we? What do we do? Amen. How many are ready for some financial equipping? Amen. We will equip you for financial victory. Uh, hold up your hands if you need an envelope for your tithes or for your offerings. And uh, I want to remind you that, 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 that Jesus told us to worship God with our tithes and worship Him for our offerings. That means to be thankful, be grateful. And talk to him about what he's doing. So, so we always like to bring our offerings up to the altar. We give them up here because it's the altar place of worship. And so I know that so many people give online now, but you can still come up here and just praise him and thank him for what he's doing in your life financially. Amen. Because you're hooked up with his plan. Now look at Hebrews chapter six. And we're going to, we're, we're going to look at verse 12. This whole passage is really, really good right here. How many were here last Sunday night? I, ta- I taught you about we're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not a, a, a Jew by birth, but by the new birth, we're Abraham's spiritual seed. And so what God promised to Abraham, he promised to us. It belongs to us through Jesus. And so this passage writer is talking about Abraham and things that Abraham received. Now I want you to look at verse 12. That you be not slothful, not lazy, spiritually lazy, but followers of them, followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Inherit the promises. And I know that, that over the years, being a Christian and a preacher, I've always heard people say, I'm standing on the promises. I'm standing on the promises. Have you ever, have you ever heard anybody say that? But I'm looking to the promises. Well, he says right here, that we're supposed to through faith and patience. Faith and patience. See, the promises come to pass in our life. And years ago, I heard Brother Copeland, as a matter of fact, he put a book out 
called Faith and Patience, the Power Twins. It takes as much patience as it does faith receive the benefits of being a tither. We teach all the time about the promises of tithing. Malachi chapter 3, God rebukes the devourer for tithers. The windows of heaven are open over tithers. People look at the lives, look at the lives of, of, of faithful tithers and call them blessed. That's in Malachi chapter 3. But this patience part is much more than just not quitting. Patience carries the flavor of being constant. And being consistent. Constant and consistent. He says, through faith, you never lay down your faith. Faith is what you believe in your heart and what you speak out of your mouth about what you believe God's doing in your life. So you keep on confessing that because I'm a faithful tither, God is rebuking the devourer. The windows of heaven are open. I'm blessed. I can't be cursed because I'm redeemed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And no matter what it looks like, if the car dies... If the dog dies and you get laid off all the same week, it doesn't change the word of God. I'm blessed. I'm a tither. I'm faithful. God's faithful. And what do you do? You keep on living like a Christian. I told the men at the men's meeting yesterday that uh, the number one thing that I can tell any Christian is this, stay saved. Keep on living like you're saved. Amen. And that's what it says, that through faith and patience. And so patience means you keep on doing what you're doing. You get up in the morning time, and if it's a bad day, you say, praise the Lord, glory to God, Jesus is good. You get up in the morning time, it's a good day, you say, praise the Lord, glory to God, Jesus is good. People ask you how you're doing, and think things aren't going well, say, I'm blessed. The Bible says I'm blessed. And if things are going really good, say, how you doing? I'm blessed. The Bible says I'm blessed. I'm blessed. In other words, that's what he said right here. You tithe, you serve Jesus, and you just keep on calling yourself blessed because he does. Amen. And so stay constant, stay consistent. If the devil tries to make you quit doing what you're doing, say, not the devil, I'm blessed. I belong to Jesus. I'm going to be constant and consistent. And what's the result? You inherit the promises. And, you know, it, it, it may not look like you're blessed today, but you stay with it. And then all of a sudden you're going to recognize one day, you know what? It's been a while since those things have been happening. It's been a while since I didn't have enough money. I realize now I've got more than enough. You know why? Because through faith and patience, it came to pass in your life. Amen? Amen. That's about the best preaching I can give you over that one. Amen. And so, and so we, we as believers, we are becoming equipped every time we come through those doors and the Word of God is taught. As you see the Word of God working in people's lives around you, it starts to rub off on you. You start getting that attitude that glory to God, if it works for them, it'll work for me. Amen? Amen. Well, let's stand up and make our financial faith confession. And then we'll bring our tithes and offerings up and we'll worship God with them. Are we ready? <clears throat> As we bring the Lord's tithe to give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs, our better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for all my financial needs, so I have more than enough to take care of my family, give the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
Okay, let's worship the Lord together on today. Come bring up your tithes and offerings and stay up here and let's praise the Lord.
can lead us, lead us to freedom. No one, no one, no one. Who else can heal all our sins and diseases? No one, no one, no one. Who else can walk, walk on the water? No one, no one, no one. Who else can enter, enter by This will end in victory. 
You'll be faithful now. Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands to him this morning. Lord Jesus, we love you and we declare and we know that you have been faithful every single step of the way. And Lord, we know that if you've done it before, you do it again for us, Father, for it is your will in our lives, God, that we would prosper, that we would be in health, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. And Lord, we magnify your name and lift you up high today, Jesus. We want to have you to have your way in this service, Lord. You are good and your mercy endures forever and ever and ever. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, today is our communion Sunday. It's the first Sunday of the month. And I was going to wait till the end of the message to do that. But I believe that right now is the correct time to do communion. And so uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to have the ushers come forward. And uh, you know how we do around here. You can uh, get in line and receive the elements there. And, and uh, you know, after you get the communion bread and juice, you know, go to where you want to go here. But just stay standing with us. Uh, and I just believe it's a good, reverent, holy time right now to receive communion. we got the anointing and the presence of God in this room. And I want to do this right now. So go ahead and get in line here. Now, you don't have to be a member of High Desert Word Center to take communion with us. We just ask that you would be a member of the body of Christ be a born-again Christian to receive with us. And so go ahead and we will receive the elements. Why don't you guys sing a little more for us while we do this. Because you make mountains move. You make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shape prison walls. I will speak to my will preach to my doubt you were faithful then you'll be faithful you make mountains cause you make mountains move you make giants fall you use songs of praise to shake prison walls I will speak to my
family, everybody's got the elements there. I'm going to share a couple of verses out of Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. And, you know, communion is such a special and holy time uh, to us around here. We, you know, I, I was talking to some of the youngsters yesterday and stuff. And like, There's times for joking around. There's times for uh, cutting up. And as you can see, about 50% of the time here, we're making jokes and laughing and stuff. But when it comes to communion, I don't joke around with communion. Uh, it's very serious that we respect the blood of Jesus. And we realize that the, the juice before, that's not literally the blood of Jesus. We get that. You know, there's a doctrine of transubstantiation that some churches would teach that the, it literally becomes the blood of Jesus. That's not the case, but it does represent the blood of Jesus. And it is so important that we always show honor and respect for the blood of Jesus. There's an old song, an old hymn that maybe you know, but it says there is power in the blood of the Lamb. And there is power in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. There's power in the blood of Jesus. It, it was so powerful, it was able to wash this sinner right here clean of all his sins and pay the price to get into heaven. And that's a lot of power right there. But uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19, and sometimes I like to read these verses just to remind me of the seriousness of the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10 verse 19, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Come on, somebody. You don't have to just crawl in there. You don't have to beg. You don't have to throw ashes on yourself. No, you, because of what Jesus did, can go boldly into the throne room of God. That's a big deal. You don't have to get somebody else to go knocking for you. You don't have to get the preacher to go in and atone for your sins. You can go right in to the most holy place of God. Not because of you, but because of the blood of Jesus. Verse 20, by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. And so this morning as we are getting ready to receive the elements of communion here and, and the blood of Jesus, listen, if you're here and you've just got guilt and condemnation and, and all this all over you, Right now is the time that we can fix this. Right now, because of the blood of Jesus. And and maybe, hey, we have screwed up. Maybe we did do something wrong. Well, let's fix it. Let's take care of that. Now's the time to talk to the Lord and repent if we need to and uh, make things right with Him before we take communion. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it tells us this, and this is such an important thing also in verse 27. It says, Anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. And so what we always do is we take a minute to examine ourselves. Uh, the King James Bible would say to judge yourself this morning. And let's take a minute. And and if there's something that you need to make right with God, let's do it, man. We're not we're not here to, you know, to, to put you on blast. You, but you talk to God. It's between you and God. It's got nothing to do with the rest of us. Let's take a minute because we want to receive these elements in a holy and righteous manner. And, uh, and so that's, that's what we're doing right now. Amen. So let's just take just a minute. You talk to God, you do business with God. This is you and him. Amen.
1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, the Apostle Paul writes, and he says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. And so we take this this morning, Jesus, recognizing that your body was broken for us, Lord. It, uh, it, it was not a, a cheap price. There was no discount on this thing. This cost you everything, Lord, to bring peace and restoration to us. And so absolutely, we honor you today and we do this in remembrance of you. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And so, Jesus, we take this this morning, recognizing that this represents your blood that paid the price for our salvation and forgave us of all of our sins. We do this to remember you in Jesus' name. We worship you today, Father. Amen. We're going to sing a song and then we'll get into our message. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Who's grateful for the blood of Jesus this morning? Amen. Let's give him some praise. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus, for your blood and for your love that you loved us enough to do it, Father. We thank you for all that you are in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, you can give him one more shout of praise. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Nothing but your blood could have done it for us. Hallelujah. Well, you may be seated this morning. Praise the Lord. We're going to have a really, really good time today. I'm excited about the Word of God. Who's excited about the Word of God, man? Yeah, I love, love God's Word. I love my Bible. It is the most, you know, precious and prized possession that I have is my Bible. God has been really good to me and changed my life through His Word. And so I, I love every bit of it. Um, if you need an outline for the sermon today, you can raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you if you did not get one on the way in. And so we're going to kind of start a, a new series here for the next few weeks until we get to Christmas. And hey, we've already got our Christmas uh, series planned too, and it is going to be super cool. I love Christmas so much, but 
I got to live in the now and I need to focus on what today's word is. So, well, our new series is going to be called 10 skills every Christian needs. 10 skills every Christian needs. And so we're going to take the next few weeks. I'm going to try to fit 10 skills in uh, to about the next three weeks. And if I don't do it, then we'll have to pick it up on some Wednesday nights. But I watch a lot of survival shows and uh, I don't know, it's just always intrigued me about being able to, you know, you, you ever have the thought like, okay, what would happen if I'm stranded in the woods with, you know, no survival tools or anything? And, you know, you got to learn how to make fire on your own without matches. You need to be able to purify water and, and build shelter. And maybe I'm the only one in the entire room that thinks about these things. Apparently I am, but I think about this. And so I, I see these things all the time, like, 10 skills every man needs, 10 skills. And I was thinking about that the other day and I'm like, man, there's some skills that Christians need to be able to be good at being a Christian, just skills. Now we know that there are gifts that the Lord gives us, right? And we've got the fruit of the spirit and and, and we've got gifts that God specifically may give to some people. And, and so it's not like something that, uh, that they've just got to beg for. Maybe God just gave you a gift in something. And, and there's several gifts. There's the gift of salvation. And that's not something you work for or anything like that. That's a free gift from God. And so there's a difference between gifts and skills, right? And so what I'm going to talk about for a, a little bit, for, for a, a few weeks here, is different skills that you can develop and work on and get really good uh, at, at using that would make you a stronger Christian. I bet you'd see some more powerful results in your life. And you would start to really, I mean, be a much stronger and better Christian. And uh, I don't watch a lot of movies. It's not particularly my cup of tea. So all the time people come up to me and they'll quote some, they'll quote something and, you know, elbow me and start laughing. I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, but that's that's pretty funny. And, and like, no, it's off of this movie that everybody in the world's seen. And I'm like, oh, I didn't see that one yet. I know it came out in 1984, but I haven't. I'm gonna get to it, okay? And uh, you know, people were talking about Top Gun a while back. I've never seen it. Don't throw rocks. I've just never seen it. And so, uh, you know, there's just movies I haven't seen. Not a movie guy, but there is one film that I have drawn a little inspiration from, and that kind of helped me out today. Uh, this is a, a a classic. It's called Napoleon Dynamite, and so it's a uh, yeah. It is a masterful piece of cinema, and it's just, it's great. And in fact, I got a little inspiration from a couple of the teenage boys in the church. Throw their picture up there. We have Pedro, yeah, my boys over there. (laughs) They didn't see it coming. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, we got... um, Seth and Aiden right over here that they did this for Harvest Fest. I'm like, man, somehow in that picture, there's a sermon somewhere. And so, but what I'm thinking of is in Napoleon Dynamite, they're talking and, and Napoleon has this absolute thing made up in his mind. Like every guy needs skills. And he's wanting to get a girlfriend. He's like, you, you know, girls love guys with skills. And he's like, I've got no nunchuck skills. I've got no bow hunting skills, no computer hacking skills. He's all about skill. And, and it, it's a silly thing. But I know this much that if you're going to be, you know, a successful Christian, if you're going to actually start getting some results in your life, there's some skills of the Christian faith that you can work on and get a whole lot more precise and better results than maybe what you've been getting. And so who in here today wants to be just a victorious, awesome winner of a Christian? I do. Yeah. 
I want to get better at this thing. And I know that Jesus has done his part, but there's some things I can definitely work on to become a better and stronger Christian, all right? And so we're going to look at two things today, and then the next week we'll pick up a few more, and hopefully within a few weeks we'll do all ten, all right? So uh, let's pray, and then we're going to get into God's Word today. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much uh, that we have the opportunity to come into your house and to read your word with your people. And God, I pray that as we would uh, study the Bible today, that you would speak to us. Lord, you know what each one of us needs to hear. And Lord, we want that. We want the truth from your word. We're not looking for uh, lies. We're not looking for uh, just something to tickle our ears as the as the Second Timothy says. But Lord, we want to hear your word, your truth, and we want to get better at serving you. We love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Can everyone say amen? Amen. All right. So number one is this, talking about 10 skills every Christian needs. Number one, how to control your mouth. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We've struck a chord. I like this. How to control your mouth. And the truth of the matter is, and we'll see, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the biggest sign of maturity, the the biggest thing that I'm looking for if I'm going to see a mature Christian is somebody that can control their mouth and not just spout off anything that randomly pops into their mind or if their emotions are out of whack that day to just, you know, let it go out. And, uh, and it takes a lot of skill and maturity to attain this, but it is possible to learn how to control your mouth. It's a really, really big deal. And so we're going to look uh, at a verse that if you've been here very long, you know this verse, but Proverbs 18.21. Let's flip over there. Proverbs 18.21. And, you know, this topic of controlling your mouth... This seems to be something that we talk about quite often around here. And you maybe you're like, man, I've heard a bunch of that this year on this topic. Well, there's a reason for that. There's a big reason. Because your mouth can get you into more trouble than nearly anything else. Anyone in here, you've said some things that have gotten you into trouble. Uh, yeah. I have. You have. We all have. Some of you got double hands going up like, you know, woo. You know, you're on a roller coaster right now. Check it out. We've all said some things that we wish we could take back because our mouths can, according to James 3, cause more destruction than any other part of us. But also another great thing on the flip side of that is the words of our mouth can bring us to success nearly more than anything else. It all depends on what you're saying and how you're using it. And my caveat, my little extra that I throw in regarding words is this also applies to the things that you type on the internet. Woo! Yeah! Come on! Yeah! All right? Well, does it count if I didn't say it, but I just cussed him out by typing it to him? Yes, that counts. That's not good. Don't do that. Don't do that, all right? We will answer for these things, but Proverbs 18, 21, the King James, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now, in the NLT, it says the tongue, or your words, can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Now that, again, I mean, this could be a really good thing or it could be a really bad thing. It all depends on the words that we're speaking. Your words and your mouth, listen, they can bring life and healing or they can kill and destroy. 
And I'll show you more verses. There's plenty of them. But your words, they can kill a situation or they can bring life to a situation. And so on your outline, on your handout there today, I've put this, that anything that's powerful can either be harnessed for good or it can be destructive. It all depends on how you use it. So seriously, nearly anything that's powerful can either be harnessed for good or it can be destructive. It all depends on how you use it. Fire can be a really, really good thing. It can bring warmth to your home. It can cook your food. It can, fire can do some really awesome things or it can be very destructive. And so just because I saw fire do something bad one time, does that mean that all fire is bad? No, it was just perhaps used in a wrong way. Something as awesome as water can be really, really powerful. And water can be destructive. It can flood things. It can drown things. It can do all sorts of things, as we saw when uh, the toilet upstairs flooded a few months ago, right? And so, I mean, seriously, like $100,000 worth of damage, a little bitty line this big did. I mean, seriously, water can be real destructive or water can be wonderful. You can drink it. I mean, if you get hot in the desert, you can swim in it. Water can be really, really awesome. It all depends on how you use it. Who likes electricity? Yeah. I mean, I love electricity. I've been shocked and it hurt. And I've done some dumb things to shock myself. So, you know, I brought it on myself. But electricity could kill somebody or it could give you Wi-Fi. Think about that. I mean, electricity is a very, very powerful and good thing. But it all depends on how you use it. And your words are just as powerful. They could absolutely bring blessing and goodness to your life. Or it could kill things in your life. Let's look here at Proverbs 10 and verse 11. We'll look at a couple of Proverbs here today. But we're talking about some skills that every Christian needs. And the skill of learning how to control your words in your mouth and use them in the right way, this could really, really be a useful skill in your Christian life and in your faith. And I believe this could be the thing to push you over the top into victory. So Proverbs chapter 10, and we're going to look here at, at verse 11, and it says this, The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. Think about that. The words of the godly, if you're a godly person, your words should be a life-giving fountain. Are your words a life-giving fountain, or are they destructive little tools from the enemy that tear yourself down, tear your life down, rip your family up? What is it that your words do? The words of the godly, though, they should be a life-giving fountain. The words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. That doesn't sound good at all, does it? So if you have violent intentions, you're way off track there. But check it out. The words of the godly, your words in your life and in the life of your family, they should be a life-giving fountain. Let's look at chapter 12 and verse 18. Chapter 12 and verse 18. Amen. We're talking about how to control our mouths and there's power in our words. So Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 18, it says, some people, what do they do? Make cutting remarks. But the words of the wise bring healing. Or the words of the wise are health. The words of the wise bring healing. You realize that your words, spoken in faith, can bring healing into 
your life. Absolutely. That's how powerful they are. So your words, again, they can make you sick or they can bring you healing. Your words can make your marriage blossom and be healthy and beautiful and wonderful. Or your words can kill your marriage. Now, we're, you know, we know uh, even just speaking to your spouse on a daily basis. But what do you say about your spouse when they aren't there? That's what I'm going to talk about right now. So what about they aren't around? You're like, oh, my gosh, she is always just just killing the mood around here. She is always just, oh, I mean, just, oh. And then, but what do you say about him? My gosh, I, I just, I, I need him out of here. I, I can't stand him. His feet stink and everything else. And I just, you know, whatever the... What, what are you saying about your marriage? Because you will have what you say, according to Mark 11, which we'll see later. But you will have what you say. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And if you are non-stop speaking negative words over your marriage, over your children, over your house, guess what? You're going to get it, brother. You will reap what you sow. And if you're nonstop planting nasty, negative seeds into your home, that's exactly what that home is going to be. And someone would say, words aren't that powerful. Are you kidding me? The entire galaxy was created by words. I thought there was a big explosion and just beautifulness came out of nothing. You believe that if you want to. Uh, that, that takes more faith than what I believe. I believe that an almighty creator, God almighty, spoke and said, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke at Genesis 1, 2, and 3. He spoke all of this into existence. And then he said, mankind was created in the image of God. And so, uh, yeah, if God's words were creative, I'm not expecting to create galaxies and new planets. I know that, but I do know that my words are powerful enough that I can speak life into my home. I can speak the peace and joy of God into my home, over my marriage, over my children, over my church. And we can see some powerful and good things happen. Amen? Because there is power in our words. And so I've been raised my entire life to speak positive words and not negative words. And, and I understand that if someone's maybe kind of new to this aspect of the Bible, that and you're in a habit of speaking negative, curse-filled words o- over your life all the time, it takes a minute or two to be able to, to change direction of things. But that's why I call this a skill. A skill is something that's open to pretty much anybody to at least be able to learn. Yes, some people are going to be better at it, but at the same time, a skill in theory, you can learn that and do something with it. I was thinking about, like, Chuck, he's not here this morning, but a great welder. I mean, he's taken that skill to a whole new level. But at the same time, someone even like me, believe it or not, don't laugh, somebody even like me, could go down and take a little class or something and at least learn the skill of it. I'm not going to be as good as him, but I can start working on that and, and, and at least learn it, right? And so there's some things that's just a straight-up gift. I'm never going to be able to jump like Michael Jordan or somebody and, and you know, dunk from the free-throw line. I'm going to shoot for the three-point line. But at the same time, I'm kidding, but, you know, that guy's got a gift and a skill. But when it comes to learning to use your words right, that's not just some gift that someone could say, oh, Leah's just gift in that area. It's not fair. God gave her the gift of speaking positive words. 
That's not a, a gift of the Spirit, people. That's a skill that you could learn and do something with in your life. And if you're, and if you're in the habit of just nonstop speaking negative words over your life all the time, just write something faith-filled and positive down. And if nothing else, at least once a day, set aside a little bit of time and speak that word out. My children are blessed and they are a blessing in the name of Jesus. My home is filled with peace and the joy of the Lord. If nothing else, just write that down and speak that out. And, 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 and it, you'll start getting there. You're working on that skill. Now look at James chapter one and verse 19. Now James spoke a lot about the power of our words. If you're familiar with, uh, with the book of James. And I believe that his big brother, Jesus Christ, had a lot to say in this also. <laughs> Jesus spoke a lot about our words also in the four Gospels. But James chapter 1 and verse 19, and we're, we're teaching you some skills that if you would work on them, could really change your life. Who would like for your family to be stronger than, you know, than what, maybe you've got a great strong family right now, but it could get even better. You could have, I mean, what if this was the absolute best Christmas that you've ever had yet, right? And maybe you're like, well, there's other Christmases I've had more money. That doesn't matter. It doesn't take money to have an awesome Christmas. Oh, it takes having Jesus in the mix and celebrating him, right? And, and, and having a peace-filled, awesome home. So James 1, verse 19 Now, uh, this is, uh, I love this. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now, we've used this verse a lot around here too, but there's something really powerful in this. Check it out. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And if I could say anything, all right, to, to any anybody, but especially like any married couple, I would tell you this right now. Think before you speak. Think before you speak. Just because it came up here doesn't mean it's got to come out of here. Now, also, maybe you've got a really honest and truthful thing to say, but right now isn't the right timing to say it. Refrain yourself, show some restraint, and wait until the right time to say it. There you go. You're welcome. I knew you wanted to hear that today. I bet that's just going to change your life right there. But seriously, slow down and think before you speak. Because I found out it's a lot harder to take words back in than it is to just randomly dish them out. And we've all said things that we kind of wish we could take back in, right? And we have used the old illustration. It's like a tube of toothpaste. It's real easy to squeeze it and let it all out. And then say, okay, now try to get it all back in there. I mean, you're not going to be able to, but even if you did, there's just going to be a mess and it's going to look all gnarly and nasty. And there's then destruction done. There's a story that I I tell sometimes regarding maybe a a temper situation, but I want to say it here regarding our words. There's this little boy I heard about that had a bad temper. So his dad gave him a bag of nails and told him that every time he lost his temper, he had to go to the backyard and hammer a nail into the back fence. The first day, the little boy drove 37 nails into the fence. That's a lot of losing your temper. Then it gradually started dwindling down because he found out it was easier to just control your temper than to be out in the backyard all day driving nails into the fence. So finally, the day came 
when the boy didn't lose his temper at all. And so his dad told him that, you know, okay, good, all right, no more driving nails. So now every day that you control your temper and don't blow up, you can go take a nail out of the fence. And so it took a little bit, but eventually the day came, he took the last nail out of the fence. And so he stands there with his dad, and, and he's all proud of it. And he's like, son, I am proud of you. That is phenomenal. You have really, really conquered this thing in a great big way. But I want you to look at the fence now. And he looked back at this ugly fence all riddled with holes and and scratches and tore up everywhere. He's like, you quit doing it. Thank God. That's awesome. But look at the destruction that has been left behind. That fence will never be the same again. You know, we can go patch it and everything, but but we've we've caused a lot of destruction. And with our words, thank God, let's get this under control. But just realize that it can be a very destructive thing. Now, someone might argue that the biggest sign of maturity in a Christian is, you know, somebody that's got great faith. That's awesome. And we are all about that. Maybe somebody that they're a real big giver and and God uses them in that. That's awesome. But I would argue that the biggest sign of a mature Christian is somebody that could control their mouth. That's, to me, the biggest sign of a mature Christian. And I'm not the only one that thinks that. The Apostle James also thinks that. So look at chapter 3, all right? James chapter 3. We're already there. James 3. We're just going to look at these two verses, verses 1 and 2. Now, we're not here to scold you today. We're here to give you some life skills. Who wants some good Christian life skills? Yeah. This right here, this is something that if you were to use your words in the right way and got skillful with your words, you could create some beautiful things in your life. I'm telling you that. So James 3, verses 1 and 2, he says this, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. Gee, golly, what are you talking about there? Well, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. All right, and so that's just something to think about. And I, I hear people say false things all the time that I usually just let it go. But, you know, you know like, well, God judges everyone the same, and, and you know, all sin is equal. And, and, you know, go ahead and say that. But truthfully, that's not a factual statement. Now, check it out. God judges teachers and Christian leaders and preachers right here more strictly than everybody else. And so that's just something that I got to live with. And and some of you, you just got to live with that. And sometimes people, man, it'd be so fun. It'd be so cool to, to have a teaching ministry and to be a, a famous preacher and, and blah, blah, blah. That'd be so fun. And hey, man, listen, it's cool to be used by God, but there's also a weight that comes with it, knowing that there may be some things that everybody else gets to do that you're just not allowed to do. You're judged more strictly. And that's something that, you know, if you're a Christian leader, some of you are Christian leaders and teachers in here, that's something that you got to take seriously knowing that, hey, it's okay. God, you know, called me to this thing, and I don't get to always do what everybody else gets to do and get away with it. I'm just going to be judged more strictly, and i got to live with that. And that's okay. We've accepted that. But look at this. Verse 2, indeed, we all make many mistakes. Amen. But if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. That is a statement right there. If we could control our tongues, if we could control our words and our mouths, you could control yourself in every other way. Wow. 
And so I would challenge you and encourage you if there's an area in your life and you're like, man, I want to get really, really disciplined in this specific area. Or, man, I really want to get really good at this one thing over here. Listen, if you want to get good at whatever it is, dieting, exercising, teaching, studying, whatever it is, those are all cool. But I'll bet if you would focus on getting really, really disciplined at controlling your mouth, you could start doing those other things too. Because if you can control this, you can discipline and control yourself in every other way. I'm serious. This is a skill that you can get really good at and you can use your words for some really powerful, powerful things. But you've got to know right now, the skill is how to control your mouth. Who thinks that they could work on this a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I know I could. I'm going to work on this skill and get better. Now, number two is this. I want to say this today. Number two, another skill that a Christian needs is to learn how to speak to the mountains. How to speak to the mountains and their life. And you're like, why would I go talk to a pile of rocks? I'm not talking about the physical mountains necessarily, but Jesus used this example in Mark 11 that we're going to look at. And the mountains are a symbol and synonymous of any massive problem that is facing us today. And this is another skill that my parents really uh, taught us a lot about uh, growing up is how to speak to the mountains. Now, check this out. Jesus placed a very high priority on prayer. Do you realize that? I mean, Jesus was a man of prayer. And we're going to study that in the coming weeks too. But Jesus was so good and skilled at using prayer that Luke 5 talks about he would often go into the wilderness and just be alone to pray without anyone else around. Luke chapter 6 talks about Jesus would sometimes, he'd pull an all-nighter and just go pray and pray all the way to the next morning until the sun came up. And someone says, yeah, well, he was Jesus. He had an unfair advantage. You realize that when Jesus came to this earth, he was a human being. He had to eat. He had to sleep. He had to drink water. It took some discipline on Jesus' part to go without any sleep at all and to pray all night long. And so what am I saying? I'm telling you that... Jesus placed a monumental priority on prayer. But there's also another skill that Jesus used in connection with prayer, and that was straight speaking to the mountain and commanding it to be removed out of the way so he could move forward in life. And that's what I want to talk to you about right here. So let's look at Mark chapter 11. Go to Mark 11. Who's having a good time today? Yes, I love the word of God. So Mark chapter 11, and uh, these are some also well-known verses that, that, that we use around here. But I got to read it in the King James. I got to read it in the King James. That's how I've just always heard it. And I love the way the King James words this. So here in Mark 11, if you've been reading the whole chapter, we're going to end up going to verse 22. But, but Jesus went to get some figs from a fig tree one day. And he didn't have any. And so Jesus spoke these words. He said, may no one ever eat your fruit again. So Jesus spoke to that tree and was like, you're dead. No one will ever eat from you again. And the disciples, uh, they just, they, they heard him say it, but they didn't think much about it. And so they move on about their business. The next day, 
they're walking past that exact same tree and the disciples, they notice that it is dried up from the roots within 24 hours. And Peter says, Jesus, look, the tree you cursed has withered and died. And they're all shocked. But Jesus in this whole story, he's not shocked at all. It's like he absolutely expected what he spoke out to actually happen. And so again, we would say, yeah, well, Jesus could do that because he's Jesus. Well, you're going to see right here that Jesus told you to do the same thing that he just did. And so all the disciples, their mind is blown. And this within 24 hours, the tree has dried up and withered away. And so Mark 11, verse 22, and Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. That's not that deep of a thing to say, but that is about the most powerful thing that we could ever tell you. Have faith in God. Have you ever come across somebody that, I mean, they've received an answer to a huge prayer in their life, and they're not even shocked at all? I mean, some of you guys, I, you, you'll tell me like, man, I prayed and I just had this massive thing happen. It was really cool. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, that's great. I mean, why aren't you running around the room doing cartwheels and backflips? Well, I have faith in God. I, I actually expected it to happen, right? And so when you have faith in God, like Jesus is talking about, you can have some monumental thing happen. And yes, you rejoice. Yes, you're, you're, you're excited, but you're not surprised because you actually expected it to happen, right? I'll rejoice all day. I'll run circles. I'll, I'll do all of it. It's because I'm so happy, but it's not because I'm shocked that God actually answers prayer. Oh my gosh, imagine that. No, we expect this stuff to happen. Jesus answered and said unto them, have faith in God. Somebody say that with me. Have faith in God. Just believe him and you'll see some really cool things. Verse 23, Jesus says, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. My gosh, think about this. That's incredible. Now, I was reading this yesterday, and, and it kind of caught me. I'm like, Jesus, whoa, you kind of really jumped ahead there. I thought we were talking about fig trees. Then all of a sudden you bring up a mountain? That's what we weren't even talking about. Mountains, you cursed a fig tree. And I believe what Jesus was telling us right there, this will work on something puny like a fig tree. If you ever seen a fig tree, these aren't sequoias, okay? They're just tiny little, you know, whatever. I had one in my backyard, literally pushed it over by accident. Okay. So I mean, fig trees are nothing to brag about. And so Jesus is telling us that it'll work on a puny thing like a fig tree. But what I'm telling you right now, you could say to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. And if you do not doubt in your heart, but you believe that those things, which you saith shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you saith. That's a big thing right there. That is a skill that every Christian needs to learn. And so some common rebuttals to this passage are, again, yeah, well, that was Jesus. We can't do that. Then why did Jesus say, whosoever shall say unto this mountain? Why didn't he say, well, I, I can speak to mountains, boys. Sorry for you guys. 
tough luck, stinks to be you. <laughs> no, he said, whosoever shall say. I heard somebody else say, well, he was just talking to the 12 disciples right there, so uh, that don't mean you. Why did he say whosoever and not, you 12 boys can do this, everybody else is out of luck. And I present for your consideration, as I always do when I use this verse, there's this word whosoever. People love to quote John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. People everywhere, Christians everywhere, love to quote that verse and say, see, it says, whosoever shall believe that, you know, they, they, they will receive eternal life. Well, if I'm going to use the argument that whosoever only means the people that were standing right there, I would say, John 3.16 doesn't apply to you. He was talking to Nicodemus. That doesn't, you, you can't stand on that, but that would be a lie. So we know, check it out, that whosoever means whosoever. If whosoever meant whosoever in John 3.16, then whosoever means whosoever in Mark 11.23. Jesus said, whosoever shall say unto the mountain, be thou removed. And sometimes people are like, yeah, I don't ever see the mountains moved. Well, do you ever speak to the mountain? No, not me. Well, no wonder you don't see him move. But on top of that, you got to believe in your heart and say out of your mouth. And so if you're facing a bad situation today, should you be praying about it? 100% yes, you should be praying about it. If you're facing a bad situation today, should you be speaking under the mountain today? 100% yes. You should be speaking under that mountain words of faith and saying, no, I know this sickness, it shall not stand in my life. It shall be removed and be thrown into the sea in the name of Jesus. You need to learn how to use your words. I heard this story, a pastor, I, I saw this this week, a pastor told this story. Uh, he, a pastor in Tennessee, I don't know if he's talking about his church or another one, but it's a great story. He said, a small congregation in the foothills of the Smoky Mountains over there in Tennessee, built a new sanctuary on a piece of land that was willed to them by a church member. A few weeks before the new church was to open, the local building inspector informed the pastor that the parking lot was way too small for the size of the building. So until the pastor uh, could get the parking lot expanded and doubled in size, they weren't going to be allowed to actually uh, meet capacity in that building. They weren't going to be allowed to meet in the building until they expanded the parking lot. The issue was they'd used pretty much every usable foot of land that they had except for the church property butted right up to a mountain in the back of the property. And so he, the pastor's like, okay, you know what? God's going to make a way. So he called some of the faith-filled church members together and said, we're going to speak under this mountain. Not only is somehow, some way, we're going to speak to it that God's going to do something about this, but that God's going to provide the money that we could do all the parking lot we need to meet the requirements. And we are going to absolutely be in this church building on opening day. And so he just speaks the words and has faith and believes it. Well, he says the next day he's in his office studying, gets a knock on the door. He says, hey, come, uh, come in. A construction worker comes in, takes his hat off, hat off and says, hey, um, I'm, I'm from this construction company, the next county over. We're building a new shopping mall. We need a lot of fill dirt to, take, to do what we're doing. We, 
would you be willing to sell us a chunk of that mountain right behind your property? We'll tear it out. We'll do it and just let us haul the dirt off and we'll even pay to just pave the rest of it in, in concrete if that's what you want. And that's exactly what they did. And so I'm telling you, speak to the mountain in your life. And, and, and someone would say, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm telling you, this stuff works. When I was three and a half and had leukemia, I'm not telling that whole story today, but I'm always reminded of this story that uh, one night um, I was just in terrible pain, okay, three and a half years old, children's hospital, and, and they're, you know, they're, they're drawing blood out of both arms and just needles everywhere, just a, a painful experience, honestly, and, and the pain was bad. And I'm screaming and crying, and my, you know, my, my dad, you know, it, it, he's got an incredible faith, but it would stink to see your three-year-old laying there going through this, right? And so by this point, you know, I'd been through chemo, lost my hair, couldn't walk anymore, and it's just a, not a fun situation. Well, one night, my dad's best friend, Gary, shows up to the hospital, and uh, Gary is just a incredible man of faith, just like my dad. They're two peas in a pod. He speaks to the mountains, and he actually believes that the mountain's going to move. And so I'm sitting there crying, and, and Gary's like, you know, what, what, can I, what can I do here? And my dad says, I got faith. I know he's healed in the name of Jesus. We're coming through this. In the meantime, I don't want him laying there screaming in pain and, and, and just being miserable with all these, these things going on. And so Gary in that moment says, you know what? I've got faith right now. I'm going to speak to this thing, and he's going to finish all this with no pain whatsoever. And someone would say, that's impossible. Yeah, it's impossible to move a mountain, isn't it? But with God, all things are possible. Amen? And so in this moment, I believe Gary had a gift of the Spirit in operation, and it's called the gift of what we would say special faith, where in that moment, God would endow you with just a supernatural boost of faith that you don't even normally have. So Gary spoke and he said, I declare in the name of Jesus right now, he's finishing this and won't feel one more needle touch his three-year-old body. And I promise you right now with the Lord Jesus as my witness, I went through all the rest of that. I didn't feel a single needle or one ounce of pain. They did spinal taps and jabbed it up my spine and I laughed. They took blood out of both arms and did transfusions and, and everything else. I did not feel a single needle or ounce of pain for the whole rest of all that and actually for quite a while afterwards. It was incredible. But why was that? Because you can say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. And if you believe in your heart that those things that you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say. I believe in speaking to the mountains in our life and having them thrown into the sea. Are there any mountains in your life right now that you should be speaking to? Because sometimes, what are we doing? We're complaining about how big the mountain is. and Oh, God, it's big. God, it's big. And you've probably heard this, but instead of complaining to God about how big the mountain is, why don't you start telling the mountain how big God is, right? And saying, man, get out of here. Be thrown into the sea. Now, when you have faith in your heart and, and speak the word out of your mouth, oh my gosh, if you could get to that level. A Christian that has faith in his heart and the word in his mouth is a nightmare for the devil. 
a Christian that has faith in his heart and the word in his mouth is an absolute nightmare for the devil. Speaking of nightmares, I used to have them all the time. (laughs) And so I remember, um, man, I would just have this thing come over me when I was sleeping at night. And I, I would be, uh, I would just feel like all of a sudden just like paralyzed, like something gripped me. And I would, in my sleep, I'd be struggling to, to break out of it. And, 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 and I would just have these terrible dreams and, and, and I would just feel like I was bound by something. And eventually I would break out of it in a cold sweat and just wouldn't be able to get back to sleep. This happened all the time when I was younger. And so one day it hit me, man, if I could speak to the other mountains in my life, this is not of God. This is of the devil, and I refuse to let him have his way in my life. In fact, the scripture tells us that the Lord blesses his beloved with good sleep. If you're a Christian, you should be sleeping good. You need to know that. There's no reason the devil should be stealing sleep from you. You should sleep wonderfully. And so I I, I spoke to it, man. This was May of 2003. All right. So like 19 years ago, but finally one day I said, you know what? I am done with this. I spoke to, I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I will never have another nightmare again. I will sleep beautifully every single night. Satan, you are bound from messing with my sleep anymore. And I promise you, I am not lying. Since May of 2003, I have never had another nightmare again in 19 years ever. And I used to have them nearly every single night. And, and so what, what's all this about? You know, are we going too crazy on you here? What I'm telling you is this. If you believe it in your heart and you'll speak it out of your mouth, this is a skill that God wants you to learn as a Christian. You could start seeing and having some miraculous, wonderful results in your life. So I want to look at one final verse today about a man that was one of the, one of the best skilled warriors in all of scripture, and that is the man Joshua. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Speaking of Joshua, uh, my brother's name is Joshua. He's this guy right here on the front row. Believe it or not, he's my older brother. Yesterday was his birthday, right? And, and I don't know if anybody heard this. You may not know because he's always got a guitar on up here. He loves hugs. He loves, most people didn't know that. He loves to be hugged, especially a double arm. You know, sometimes we do the Christian slide in from the side, give the little blessing pat and move on. No, no, no. He wants, he wants a big hug. He told me that. So <laughs> I know that's not fair to us. You shouldn't do it. But, but seriously, it would just bless the entire Samples family if after church somebody would give this man a hug. Could you do that today? In fact, you know what? You know what? Why wait when we could do it now? Who wants to, Jesse, come on up, come on. Jesse's going to give Josh a hug this morning. We don't need to wait. No, stand up, stand up, come on. Look at that. Isn't that, oh. Wow. All right, boys, boys, all right. Thank you. All right. Praise God, yeah, wow. Now, if you're new today, you're like, what kind of church did I roll up into? Hey, believe it or not, we get more weird than this, but it's great. We're, we're weird, but it's a happy weird. It's a good thing. So that's what I always say. So anyway, um, yeah, but hug the boy after church. He'd really like that. So Joshua chapter, uh, harvest, I know, I know. You'd think that you, you know, grow up and get into your thirties, you'd quit doing these things to each other, but you don't, you don't. Joshua chapter one and verse eight, 
No, I, I love this verse. This has been a game changer in my life, man. This was my personal uh, verse for 2015, and I, I used it, and it changed my life. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 in the New King James. And it says, this book of the law, we're talking about the word of God, shall not depart from where? From your mouth. What is that? You mean the word of God? It should be in our mouth? It shouldn't depart from our mouth? No. The book of the law, the word of God, should not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Who would like to be prosperous and have good success? If you don't raise your hand, you're a liar. Yes, you do. Now, we all want to be prosperous and have good success. But what he told Joshua here is the book of the law, the word, it shall not depart from your mouth. It says you shall meditate in it. Now, oftentimes we have no idea what that actually means. We think somebody sitting with their legs crossed, you know, doing this with their fingers and saying, oh, no, that we're not talking about a Middle Eastern meditation. The Hebrew meditation is to repeat to yourself, repeat, repeat, repeat it to yourself. And so God told Joshua, a new leader that was taking over all of, all of this, this, the people of Israel, he was going to lead them across the Jordan River and into the promised land and start conquering Jericho and taking down town after town until they conquered it all. He told Joshua, if you want to be successful, the very first thing that you've got to do is learn how to speak the word of God nonstop. He said day and night. Now, I realize, you know, we're like, well, I don't know if I can do that day and night. I'm telling you right now, if you would start speaking God's word very consistently in your life, this would radically rock your world. I promise you, it has changed my life. And so, if you're like, well, I don't know what to say, just get at least one good verse. And maybe you're speaking that to yourself nonstop all the time every day. That's awesome. What if you're going around saying, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And instead of, what did you used to say? Man, I feel like such a loser. I feel ugly. I feel stupid. I feel like, man, everyone else has got it better than me. If you would quit saying bad and stupid things like that, and if nothing else, start saying, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things. If you could even just get that one thing down, I promise you it would rock your world. You would start making your way prosperous. You would start having good success. Because the more you say something, the more you start to believe it. You know that, right? The more that you start speaking something out, the more you start to believe it. It's been proven that some people have told a lie so often that in the end, they start to actually believe their own lie. Because you just believe what's coming out of your mouth after a while. And so if you would change the negative to God's word, you would start believing it. You'd start having some faith in your heart and you would start speaking to mountains and they would be removed and you would be a skilled warrior for Jesus. Who thinks that sounds pretty awesome today? Amen. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and we'll bring it in for a landing here. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and wind down. Can we stand up together today? Praise the Lord. Amen. Have you learned anything this morning? There is power in our words, but you got to determine that you're going to use that power for good, not for evil. And so the Lord wants to absolutely use that in your life.
Now, now speaking of the power of our words, I, I, I've got to offer this before we kind of wind things down here, and that's, that's this. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 13, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In fact, Romans 10, 9, and 10 says that if we believe in our heart and say with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, we would be saved. And so we've talked about moving mountains with that. But did you know that it's so powerful that's actually the way that you receive your salvation? Jesus paid the price, but then he told us to believe in the heart and say with the mouth. And so this morning as we begin to wind things down, we'd be wrong if we left and get given this opportunity. If you're here today and you don't have... Uh, things right with God right now. Maybe you did at one point, but you kind of walked away from it. Today's the day to fix that. Or maybe you're here and you've just never really uh, received him into your life like, like you're supposed to. Today's the day to fix that. You believe in your heart and you say with your mouth, and I promise you, this will change your entire life forever. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer today. And if you'll pray this with us, this could be an absolute pivotal moment in everything that we've got going on. And so can we bow our heads and close our eyes together? I want you to say this with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son. I believe that he died, that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for any wrong I've done. Give me the strength to live for you. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise today? All right. If you prayed that, uh, we want to give you just the best gift we could possibly give you. And that's the gift of some help. And what I mean by that is we would, if you would receive it, what we want to do is, is pair you up with someone else, uh, from, from church here, one of our leaders that over the next 30 days, uh, they could, they could work with you. What they'll do is they'll text you a Bible verse and a devotion every single day for 30 days. They'll pray over you. And if you want to talk, you can talk to them. If you don't, hey, that's fine. But, but what we want to do is at least give you the tools you need to get started on this journey or get back on the right path from where you were. And so if you're here and you prayed that and you would say, yeah, I need a little help, then I want to, this is Jose right here. Can you, Jose, can you raise your hand? All right. Jose is going to go right to the back there. So Jose, go ahead back by the coffee bar. If that's you and you're like, yeah, I need a little help. I need someone to kind of mentor me for a little bit. Then go see Jose that he will get your information and we will hook you up with the right people uh, to to help you get started on it. Amen. All right, I'm going to have my prayer team come up this morning. And if you're here and you need prayer, if you came in need of prayer today, maybe you've got something going on with your health or your finances or or your marriage or your kids or whatever it is, uh, bottom line, we want to pray with you because we believe in prayer and we believe in speaking to the mountains and telling them to be removed. And so if you need some prayer today, come on up. And if you're good and you just need to worship God, just stay there and worship God for a minute. Amen. Let's go. Cause you make mountains move, you make giants fall, you use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear, I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then, you'll be faithful now. 
make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. Hallelujah. All right. What anybody receive from the Lord today? Amen. Awesome to be together as a family. We got a lot coming up, okay? So pay attention to all the happenings, and I encourage you, if you follow on social media, there's a lot of reminders on there uh, to kind of help you stay in the loop on all the Thanksgiving and Christmas stuff coming up, but we're going to have a really awesome ending to 2022, all right? And... uh Yes, and if you're interested in what Pastor Katie was talking about and uh, kind of praying with her at City Council and stuff like that, then meet her in the coffee bar right now, and uh, and you guys will give you the details on that. Amen. Would you like to close in prayer, my darling, and do the Barstow Faith Confession? She wants to. Look at that, everybody. Woo! Father, thank you so very much for your presence in your house. Lord, that we get to stand in your presence. Lord, that this week we can take your Holy Spirit and change the world with you. That we can use the word you've given us, the tools you've given us to make a difference, Father. To bring peace to those around us, to bring peace to our own lives. Father, help us to remember that this week and to make use of what you've given us. Thank you for your safety and protection over our lives, ordering each and every step we take. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. You know, there's a thing when you do the Barstow Faith Confession that if you're holding a microphone, you instantly are like, what does it say? It's bad. Okay. Ready? We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barso is full of love, joy, and peace. Barso is full of the glory of God. Barso is coming to Jesus. Barso is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.